Namaste and welcome to Detours with me Anuradha Goyal where I talk to some very interesting personalities about journeys of all kinds. Today we have with us Ashish Kalji who is the author of a beautiful book uh, on Didda the warrior queen of kashmir now i have been reading about kashmir and uh, i realized that didda ruled in kashmir at the time uh, which is my favorite time for india it is the time when probably india was at its best the invasions were yet to start and our architecture our military our trade was probably at its peak Uh, but i don't know much about kashmir so i took this opportunity to invite ashish ji on detours and ask him a lot of questions on kashmir so ashish ji welcome to detours bahut bahut dhanyawad thank you so much for having me on the show uh, i have heard a lot about your show thank you very much it is such a privilege uh, to be speaking to you today especially about the topic that uh, is so uh, Uh, that is of so much interest to you and to me as well yes you know uh, our generation has uh, heard of kashmir only in terms of the conflict that we have seen uh, we've heard a bit about the touristy part of it uh, thanks to bollywood a lot of uh, 60 70s films that were shot there but we hardly know about the history of uh, kashmir Uh, i read a lot so i have read a little bit about kashmir shaivism and uh, uh, you know sharda peet and uh, abhinav gupta but not much nothing that we know about so i'm going to ask you to start by telling us about the 10th century kashmir and its landscape you know how did it look like uh, what are the landscape features that defined kashmir and of course the king different kingdoms we know there was kashmir but it must have been surrounded by other kingdoms so what kingdoms surrounded it so take us physically to that uh, 10th century kashmir uh, uh, you know anurag ji uh, the point that you mentioned is so pertinent that uh, kashmir the way we understand kashmir is only from a touristic destination which kashmir was never intended to be so uh, uh, not just uh, the political landscape i'll take you back in time uh, and how um, uh, uh, the grave gravest of injustice has been done to kashmir in terms of diluting its history its uh, political uh, landscape its socio cultural importance in the uh, right from the vedic times even pre vedic times to the modern times Uh, even its importance when we talk about the undivided india kashmir played the most important part and it is such a travesty of uh, of history that uh, something which should be a beacon of excellence in spiritualism beacon of excellence in knowledge in learning in in in, in politics and in tremendous incredible contributions that people of kashmir especially the women of kashmir who have made uh, to the entire world not just uh, india uh, that whole part has been uh, eradicated 
repeated by vested historians over a period of time mm-hmm. now 10th century is uh, you know the, the history of kashmir uh, uh, there is almost 10000 years of continuous history i mean do people even know that the history of kashmir is the only surviving piece of history that has continuously been written and it starts from the time period when uh, pharaohs in in egypt had not even decided to make pyramids mm-hmm. so uh, we have a continuous history and people are completely in oblivion they, they have no idea of the history of kashmir now coming back to the 10th century now imagine if you see 10th century not just in india for some reason for some magical reason it was a moment that redefined the whole world not just uh, asia and undivided india and 10th century from an indian context we have to understand that uh, in the 10th century india was not the way we understand india today we are talking about undivided india we are talking about uh, kingdoms that even touched the borders of iran iraq on the other hand afghanistan was a part of our country pakistan and everything else was a part of this country and in 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 this context if you see the 10th century middle east was at war with the european nations jerusalem there was a battle for jerusalem crusades were happening islam had established its itself and it was fighting the christian dominance uh, in the plains of central asia and the battles of jerusalem were happening kashmir was the uh, uh, was the borderline state it was the entry to uh, so called india at that point of time the undivided india uh, uh, and, and the kingdoms that ruled kashmir uh, that time they were some of the greatest kingdoms in the whole world uh, from an indian context the karkota dynasty that mm-hmm. was that ruled a major part of india lalita ditya was uh, was among the greatest rulers that ruled that that uh, uh, he had kashmir as a part of his kingdom now in the 10th century uh, certain you know after lalita ditya's death we are talking about roughly 200 to 250 years 300 years uh, post his death Uh, certain kingdoms have had broken away at that point of time mm-hmm. and it had come down to the rule of sangram dev in kashmir okay and sangra and in when we talk about kashmir on the left hand side of kashmir if you are facing north on the left hand side of kashmir was the great and the mighty kingdom of lohar dynasty today's people will not understand lohar for a simple reason that it is no longer known as lohar there is only one small village that uh, you know the it, it's such a travesty of history you know history is such a thing that once a great kingdom which had the mighty capital called lorin today lorin is a very insignificant small little village on the indo pak uh, line of control very small village i have recently been there people will not be even knowing that you know this is the history of that great place and uh, those uh, those day lorin was a lohar kingdom was uh, uh, that included the entire west pakistan it included indian and pakistani punch rajouri punch rajouri is on the both sides of the border then you have uh, today's punjab you have today's haryana so to give you an impression that how prosperous this nation uh, was in the 10th century and then it had uh, it had it shared its borders with uh, the kingdom of kashmir and right in front was the central asian uh, 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 kingdoms which were ruled by the shahi dynasty 
Now, Shahi Dynasty, uh, if, if in today's context, if people have seen that Oscar-winning film, Argo, uh, which, which won Ben Affleck and both uh, the film and, and Oscar, it had a slice of that history, which, you know, when Ayatollah Khomeini's came and the transition happened from the Shahi Kingdom to the uh, Islamic Republic of, uh, of, of Iran. So, Shahi Kingdom was the last Hindu Shahi family that ruled the Central Asian Plains. The last and the mighty king was King Bhimsha, who was the father-in-law of uh, uh, the king of Simhraj of, of uh, Lauren, but they had no relationship with, uh, with Kashmir on the right-hand side. So Kashmir, as I said, was ruled that time by Sangram Dev. He was the, in, in the last of the dynasty. And Sangram Dev is, uh, is in the history, various historians have documented his rule as among the cruelest of the rules. And Kashmir was, uh, was, uh, was literally brought onto the verge of, uh, of disintegration. Mm -hmm. uh, there was civil Kashmir. The entire political landscape was was uh, was strife with, uh, uh, with 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 civil wars. You know, those were the times when kings did not actually have an army the mm -hmm. way we understand an army today. Those days, right. army the concept of army was you had a handful of guards who would protect you, and they would protect the fort area. Right. And when the king needed an expedition, suppose the king needed to vanquish some other kingdom, they would rally a force that time and which is why you know in the ancient times when the armies after the mission is over they would actually resort to plunder and looting and uh, whatever they could uh, get and those that was uh, their uh, in a manner of speaking that was their wages so uh, uh, the in in kashmir the stronger armies actually were with damars damars in the sense that today we call them jagirdars Right. So the arm, the lands, the fertile lands, and the army was controlled by Jagirdars. And because the king was unable to provide any meaningful, just governance, so the uh, there was Kashmir was facing a civil war. And those were the times when Kashmir, even now, in in fact, you know, the interesting part about Kashmir is in the ancient times, Kashmir had faced severe famine. Severe famines because it is it has a low water table. It has tremendous. Uh, it is a valley, and especially during certain times, it faces uh, flooding. Mm -hmm. And it is common knowledge that once you have a flooding, you face a period of famine because the soil is rendered infertile. Infertile. Mm -hmm. And Kashmir. Imagine you know today nobody will even imagine that uh, the paradise that we know Kashmir, uh, full of vegetation, the fruit bowl of India, uh, so much of vegetation, great weather, Switzerland of uh, of uh, of the east. Uh, how can it face famines? But the fact is that Kashmir has faced tremendous famine, and it it was just reeling out of the famines around the 10th century. And Sangram Dev was the least. He was not interested in governance at all. Mm -hmm. And he had unleashed a reign of terror across the valley. Mm -hmm. So, you know, some of the courtiers uh, and, and uh, you know, the other part about Kashmir, the political landscape of Kashmir has been so vibrant that today we associate, uh, uh, you know, what you call palace politics. When right. you talk of palace politics, you probably talk of Delhi, you talk of, you know, Rajasthan and you talk of those kingdoms who had tremendous palace politics. But the palace politics of Kashmir were far complicated than any kingdom in India. So back in the 10th century, what had happened was, uh, 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 you know, uh, uh, the, a group of courtiers, 
they convinced Parvagupta, who mm-hmm. was among the other courtiers in uh, uh, in Sangram Dev's court, that this is the time that you know we need a shift of uh, governance in uh, in Kashmir. And mm-hmm. Parvagupta was a very loyal uh, servant to his, was a very loyal courtier at that time. Mm-hmm. But then you know he was caught between uh, what he was actually witnessing. Uh, mm-hmm. That the kind of error that the king Sangram Dev had unleashed on the poor people of Kashmir at that time, who had hardly anything to eat, they had no money, they had no food, and what the kind of extravagance the king was happening, uh, king was uh, uh, king was indulging. So therefore, you know, he was caught. So the million dollar question was: Will a loyal courtier like Parvugup? Uh, uh, indulge in something like a mutiny or not but eventually parvagup decided and and in the in in uh, in, in those uh, one of those fateful nights uh, parvagup led by his uh, band of soldiers they attacked they sort of took over the entire uh, kashmir palace the the srinagaram palace and sangram dev uh, he was actually uh, he was so drunk that he did not even know what was uh, what was happening and by the time it is so interesting you know by the time sangram dev he gathered his conscience he found himself on a on a boat uh, in in vitasta now vitasta today people do not know what vitasta is vitasta is the uh, is the true name is the real name of jhelum river so he found himself on a boat on vitasta and he was tied to a chain Mm-hmm. and uh, the chain was uh, in turn tied to a very huge boulder a stone mm-hmm. and he was so and when he came to his senses he began arguing with the parvagup how could you do this and and he cursed parvagup but mm-hmm. parvagup did not respond at all so he cursed parvagup he said you know uh, you you if you think you will inherit this kingdom in peace no you and your son will also no matter your your family will also die uh, an antagonizing death and when he said that he was pushed into the jhelum by by parvagupta and that was the end of sangram dev he went down to the bottom of uh, vitasta and that was the first time uh, that mm-hmm. uh, a revolution had occurred in the history of kashmir otherwise there have been uh, sort of peaceful uh, transitions uh peaceful or you know people have fought each other and they have taken over each other but a mutiny of this order uh, mm-hmm. and and a, and a rightly befitting end to uh, the cruel sangram dev at the hands of parvagup had happened for the first time right and in the morning uh, that very morning uh, then parvagup was crowned the new king of kashmir and with him the new dynasty began ruling kashmir and the same morning his mm-hmm. uh, his wife gave birth to uh, the higher of of the kingdom which was named named as shemgo mm-hmm. so this is the 10th century kashmir and likewise you know in lohar what was happening was uh, king simharaj gave mm-hmm. birth to a beautiful daughter mm-hmm. and her name was kept as dida mm-hmm. so these yeah. are the two people who were born during almost during the same time frame with not exactly the same time uh, uh, about 5 years difference between them okay. but around the same timeline this is what had happened and dida was born but dida had a very different destiny dida uh, when she was born uh, her father king simraj and her mother shilekha they both tried to kill her they both tried to throw her into the waters unfortunately she got uh, her basket got entangled with the robes of the king and somehow the king then did not have the heart to uh, let her go so he got her back to the palace but he abandoned the daughter uh, mm-hmm. 
and and the daughter was a dida a princess of such a prosperous kingdom mm-hmm. she was raised by a maid and right. uh, uh, the king did so because dida was born disabled she had a deformed leg possibly at that time i can safely my research indicates that she was affected by polio at birth and kashmir had two diseases at that time one was uh, you know uh, uh, one was uh, polio polio was quite rampant in in kashmir and other was typhoid uh-huh. so you know most of the deaths in kashmir would happen because of either because of typhoid uh-huh. and polio so we also know that you know this was the uh, these were the two diseases that that were rampant in in kashmir but then they did not have uh, much of an impact on locals because of the kind of healthy lifestyle and everything else but we know that some of the important people in kashmir have at some point of time been affected by these uh, diseases and uh, it caused their end so, uh, would you like at this point yes. of time to- yes yeah. so ashish uh, i agree with you i i spent a couple of years of my life in nashera uh, rajouri punch yes, 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 and i had it. no inkling of its historical importance till uh, till a couple of years back when i read about it uh and also you uh, in your book also mention and otherwise also we know that this was also the time when abhinav gupta lived and he played a role of a mentor or a rajguru uh, to the kingdoms which would have existed then and you also mentioned that kashmir was a great learning center we of course know that sharda peet which is the goddess of learning uh, she has her uh, her own peet is in kashmir so uh, tell us a little about the spiritual heritage of kashmir yes so you know it is another interesting part today as as we began by saying that great disservice has been done to the entire history of kashmir by our historians probably either out of ignorance or by uh, by mandate and they sort of kept it as a tourist destination and the kind of mess that kashmir is in but to sanatan dharma or to vedic hinduism Mm-hmm. what makka is to uh, is to muslims and what jerusalem is to christians uh, kashmir is to sanatan dharma kashmir is to vedic sanatan dharma and kashmir is to vedic india kashmir was never meant to be uh, a tourist destination kashmir was the greatest seat of learning kashmir was the greatest seat of spiritual salvation kashmir was the bowl of learning of excellence Mm-hmm. do you know as i said earlier uh, kashmir is the only place in the world which has the longest surviving continuously written history in the whole world now apart from that the first university we of mm-hmm. course credit nalanda for that that is uh, that is not correct uh, why that is not correct we can uh, those are greater debates but Uh, uh you know people who understand history very well the first great seat of learning mm-hmm. was sharda vidyapeeth now sharda vidyapeeth evolved at two levels mm-hmm. one there is a spiritual story to sharda vidyapeeth that how sharda vidyapeeth came into being and why only kashmir because kashmir was essentially known as satisat it was entirely a whole uh, the entire area was submerged under water today's uh, reminiscences like you know you, when you see uh, uh, lakes like dal lake wular lake and all those water bodies they are uh, what remains of a larger 
uh, water body that existed which eventually was drained out of uh, those days it was called as varahmul now it is known as baramulla so the water uh, the valley is slightly shifted towards pakistan so you know the water drained out uh, from from that and uh, the beautiful land of kashmir emerged and uh, uh, we have the history of kashmir that starts from almost you know the first king which was king neel who was the elder son of uh, kashyap rishi or in the history is also known as a sage of the caspian who came from the caspian sea to uh, sort of uh, deliver kashmir from the deluge that it was it was in now sharda vidya p so is neel mata puran uh, has anything to do with neel mat puran neel mat puran yes neel mat puran neel mat puran begins actually from the day that kashmir was born when okay. when uh, the land emerged when the water was drained out mm-hmm. so kashmir basically comprised of two civilizations mm-hmm. one was the civilization that lived on the ridges of kashmir so mm-hmm. you know people of tibet ladakh mm-hmm. uh, gilgit baltistan this comprised of the civilization that surrounded the once great water body mm-hmm. okay and they lived there so okay. during the summer months Uh, during the winter months they would come down to the valley so if you see today you must be knowing that kashmir has a culture of darbar move right you know six yes. months yes. Uh, the uh, the the capital goes to the winter capital is jammu and the summer capital is kashmir so right. you know this is so interesting it has been right from the time that kashmir was born the people the civilization that lived in the upper reaches they would mm-hmm. come down in the winter because you know the upper reaches would be completely engulfed with with uh, with snow there's nothing to eat they would come down and then eventually king neel he and and the, this would bring them the mm-hmm. civilization living in the upper reaches with the people who came with king neel and settled down in kashmir they were always at loggerheads so king neel arrived at a truce that six months you will come and we will serve you otherwise you will not trouble us so a mm. truce was so you know kashmir continued that culture if you see the kashmiri culture it has certain unique traditions like there is a tradition of which is uh, in in kashmiri it is called khetsi mavas mm-hmm. mavas as in you know the dark night now mm-hmm. uh, uh, khetsi is a is a is a is a word that has a sort of evolved from yaksha mm-hmm. yaksha mavas so mm-hmm. basically in kashmir there was a tradition during certain winter months mm-hmm. we would keep food outside mm-hmm. for why we would call them yakshas is you know if you see the ancient uh, uh, scriptures mm-hmm. how have yakshas been formed you know they have you know those uh, little uh, hair small little hair flowing from their chin those uh, you know almond shaped eyes and all so those were the those are typical features of the civilizations which are living in the upper reaches especially alongside kashmir so okay. if you see tibetan people or ladakhi people they have those very typical features who can be match, matched with the yakshas yaksha like features in the scriptures mm-hmm. so we thought that they were yakshas and mm-hmm. but the point was that the truth was that we will feed them during mm-hmm. the winter months when they will not then when they would not get food so they would come down and the story eventually was formed that you know when you feed them they will bring prosperity to you the concept was Uh, it, it was a concept of peace, and the story peaceful was that coexisting. You, yeah, peaceful coexistence. And in this, you know, Sharda has always existed. Sharda has existed even bef- beyond this time. 
Uh, you know, be beyond this time, as I said, there are two stories to Sharda or two faces to Sharda. One is the spiritual uh, face of Sharda. Now, which is why it is important to understand uh, the the real significance of Sharda. Mm-hmm. We all know the story of Sagar Manthan, and we know of yes. the things that came out of uh, Sagar Manthan. Yes. Amrit was one of them, and we also know the story that you know how. Yes. uh you know rahu tried to uh, uh, drink amrit and vishnu yes. uh, slayed him into two and eventually vishnu ran away mm-hmm. with the what happened with the remaining amrita nobody knows mm-hmm. when i say nobody knows generally people even some uh, knowledgeable people do not know what actually happened to the remaining uh, amrit mm-hmm. that was consumed by devtas and the remaining so brahma ji told vishnu please go and Uh, establish this kalash this mm-hmm. amrit kalash in the land of kashmir oh wow and uh, vishnu ji came and he established uh, this uh, at the confluence of krishna ganga so there are two there, there are two rivers that combine together that confluence is known as krishna ganga muslims today in muzaffarabad or in pakistan occupied kashmir they know of it as neelam valley yes. okay and it was established there and atop that brahma ji manifested sharda hmm. go, uh, 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 on top of uh, that kalash on top of that kalash in time that grew into a land of spiritual learning so kashmiri pandits were the first ones who became the servants of ma sharda and hmm. that is how it grew now it was the goddess of learning even yes. up to the 18th century we have incidents where uh, goddess was seen atop a white swan Uh, mm-hmm. around that area even uh, before you know when uh, when the turks and the uh, when the muslim invasion happened and there was a, a muslim commander who uh, the first destruction came when the muslim commander he placed granite uh, mm-hmm. i'm i'm sorry granite but placed dynamite uh, mm-hmm. inside the temple and he blew the temple mm-hmm. uh, this temple had atop at the original shri yantra was mm-hmm. inscribed on this uh, and which is about about some 300 400 meters away from the uh, w- what remains of sharda uh, mas temple uh, that is still there and there is a place called ganesh ghati so you have a huge mountain cliff which has a natural form ganesh uh, ganeshji's pratima on that so you know eventually what happened was uh, sharda had four pla- uh, four gates and mm-hmm. all the kings and the queens do you know even queen dida was a student mm-hmm. of sharda kota rani it she was a student of sharda it is also believed certain court diaries especially of gopaditya and others that people from many parts of the world mm-hmm. came and they learned spirituality from sharda and they went and they started their own respective cults christianity it is also believed mm-hmm. there is an ongoing research that even jesus christ had visited kashmir this is a very debatable uh, aspect but they say that you know uh, there is a there is a part in bible where uh, you know for 15 years 15 20 years uh, jesus is entirely missing we know of jesus as a teenager and he, then he makes a debut in the bible as a 32 year old grown up man before those 15 years nobody knows where he was mm-hmm. see there was an established trade route between central asia and indian heartland which went through kashmir so kashmir right. was a facilitator of trade so right. silk spices and all of that uh, used to come from uh, from central asia into india through kashmir that that was the trade route so that was that in fact brings there. me to the the final and the wrap up question for you uh, yeah. if, 
uh, talk a little bit about the trade that was enabled by Kashmir. What are the things that were traded out or traded in the Kashmir and uh, how it connected to the trade? See, trade, when you say trade, as I said earlier, uh, Kashmir was actually not a market. It was never conceived as a market the way we see it today as a market where people live, they have their needs, people need to do business, they need to consume food. Kashmir, before the Turks, uh, uh, Turks and before the uh, Afghans uh, vandalized Kashmir, uh, let's say 800 years and before that, Kashmir was only a center for salvation. Kashmir was not a, a kingdom uh, which would uh, which existed for uh, any commercial gains. But Kashmir during Deda's time and even before that and after that, Kashmir has been a facilitator of trade to the greater India. So all whatever you see today, the silk in Kashmir. So Kashmir also has silk today. But that was uh, Kashmir has saffron today. Kashmir is among the third largest producers of saffron in the world. Uh, saffron is produced only at, in, in Spain, in some parts here and there, in Kishtwar and in Kashmir. So the saffron from Kashmir is considered to be uh, the, the best in the world. The, uh, the fruits of Kashmir are considered to be the best in the world. But all of that has come to Kashmir because of this trade. But Kashmir in itself was not a trade. Either a producer or a consumer. Yeah, it, it was not. Because people who lived in Kashmir were basically temple keepers. People right. like us, you know, for example, people like me, uh, my family, you know, like, for example, my surname is Kaul. Now, mm -hmm. you know, even if you ask uh, majority of Kashmiris, they would not know. Kauls uh, are supposed to be the highest order Brahmins in the Kashmiri uh, Kashmiri Pandit clan. Kaul Samhita is mm -hmm. is uh, is is the treatise is is the scripture which is dedicated to the tantra, the Shakti that that exists in the world. So, uh, yes, uh, so you know that is how we are the uh, we were the custodians of that knowledge. So that is why the calls. But otherwise, we are the Tatari Brahman. Right. But we uh, our job was to upkeep that tradition of tantra. Likewise. All the Kashmiri Pandits, mm -hmm. the natives of Kashmir, their job essentially was to be the servants of various places of historical Vedic worship in Kashmir, which included places like Tulamula, which is also known as Kheer Bhavani, and so many centers, the Amarnath, uh, Sharda Vidyapit, essentially was, in a manner of speaking, the biggest employer for Kashmiri Pandits. In a way, they were employees is not the right word, but for today people to understand that our uh, the, the people of Kashmir, their job or their existence was meant for upkeeping the Vedic traditions, upkeeping the, uh, the spiritual aspect of uh, Vedic Dharma and uh, coming back to what we did and through Sharda. Sharda was the first university in the world to offer degrees, diplomas, conduct workshops, uh, you know, do seminars. So people from worldwide, people from all over the world, from Europe, even up to people coming in from Europe, from, you know, various Central Asian kingdoms would come and acquire knowledge from uh, from Sharda Vidyapeet. And as I said earlier, they, they went back to their countries uh, like Christianity, for example. And the biggest is, example is Adi Shankaracharya. Adi, yes, of course, you know, he came. And, you know, there are many people, even Hyun Sang and all those guys. Yes, who Hyun visited, Sang mentions it, yes. Uh, he, they, they came to Kashmir. Uh, Ashoka conducted court in Kashmir. Buddhism, you know, it is it is such an important part. Maybe we can discuss this uh, later. Uh, 
buddhism actually was a gift from kashmir you know if uh, how did buddhism go out of india it went through kashmir outside outside of where buddhism was born let's say kaling kashmir was the biggest sanctuary of buddhism in the entire world however then buddhism they went out of kashmir there was a uh, there people do not know this i mean this is very interesting and we can wrap up with this that there was always a, a buddhist and kashmiris they did not trust each other hmm okay why kashmiris did not trust buddhists is because they believed that these buddhists they are spies they are acting as spies okay. now you see uh, if you see it in a certain perspective buddhism was a religion that was trying to find its feet it had to grow so therefore uh, when they were going out so pe- it was only when buddhism when people who were practicing buddhist when they went out of kashmir the invasions in kashmir started with rinchin the first buddhist monk so called the buddhist not monk the first buddhist prince which was rinchin when he came as a uh, as as a refuge seeker into kashmir and then he acquired he took control of kashmir so that that further cemented that belief that these are the spies and they are sending in because you know all the invaders who came to kashmir they mm-hmm. had specific intelligence when to attack where to attack that right. could not have happened without uh they they have an interesting them. angle to explore for a complete session i'm sure yes yes, yes. great ashish ji great i mean this is so fascinating i have so many more questions uh and i'm sure we can do a series on kashmir with you uh and uh, what you told today i i'm sure it's not common knowledge and people need to know this uh, heritage of ours and uh, heritage of kashmir which kind of gets lost in the uh, in the in the present day uh, and you know uh, maybe, maybe i can also uh, i can leave two names you know sharang dev and sushil they yes. are the names they are the people who created music and created medicine do people know right. that they they right. were from kashmir uh, no i didn't know that <laughs> yeah they were from kashmir Right. we have maybe abhinav gupta we can talk whenever we yes, today we, know gupta, of, we you know, want to do one session on abhinav gupta itself i'll i'll wrap up about abhinav gupta just a small little thing you know today's generation has grown up seeing dumbledore uh, a fict- fictional character in the harry potter series right dumbledore uh, abhinav gupta in for for you know today's generation to understand abhinav gupta was a million times more powerful than than uh, than anybody else yes. and he was he was called as ajanma somebody who was never born never born been. out of bhagwati's yoni her, him, herself ayonija and he was so powerful that uh, you know it is written in scriptures it is written in various history and it is it is a part of my research that he could change he could control the five elements with just the gestures of his hands and his facial expressions whenever his facial expressions would change that would bring the change of weather in kashmir that was the power of abhinav gupta you must come back and talk to us ab- about abhinav gupta one day and uh, thank you so much ashish for this absolutely wonderful insightful talk Thank you thank so you much. Thank you so much for having me. It was such a, a, a lovely uh, you know talk that we had about Kashmir which is something which is a part of my life. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining us on Detours. You can also join us on Instagram, Facebook and Twitter. Our handle is in details i n d i t a l e s. See you soon.